Talking Tara 70. Uh, we're back and I am with the man who likes to talk more than Ivan Juric. It's Rob Gilman. Rob, I'm going to start with two questions. Um, coming out of Juric's uh, emergency press conference yesterday. It's probably the, the kind of... I can't think of a press conference at least deserving of the title emergency press conference. <laughs> but uh, he wanted to clarify things he'd said in another press conference. But anyway... Um, there was there's this press conference was called because as um he wanted to clarify a few things he said about the supporters and uh he's been a bit clumsy with the supporters this season there was the middle finger uh was it, oh, it might have been two fingers or a middle finger after the Sassuolo game I think which never really got clear, cleared up convincingly um so the objective of the press conference was kind of explain what he meant uh, I didn't think that was not certainly not the most interesting part for me. Uh, the interesting part, distilled down to this, Juric, um has been non-committal about his future, but he did say, I'll stay if we qualify for Europe, I'll leave if we don't, otherwise um, he's not done what he came to do. So I've got two questions for, should Juric stay if he doesn't qualify for Europe? If he doesn't qualify for Europe, has his tenure been a failure? Uh, I, there's part of me that feels like his sort of, statement of saying that he will stay if he qualifies for Europe is almost like me saying that I'll give you a million pounds if I become a professional footballer. I think he's almost giving himself a way out of not signing that contract. It makes him look like maybe a martyr or or, or it looks like he's doing this makes it look it makes him look like he really, really wants Europe, which is what the fans want as well. But everything that he does on the pitch and everything that he's done sort of especially this season makes it look like Juric is more than happy with just another attempt to play finish. Um so I'm not sure if that's answered question number one. Um but question number two, is it a failure? I think you've got to be very, very careful and remember where we were when Juric took over. Uh, this is a team who'd only just had successive seasons battling with relegation. He's bought a little bit of the pride back. He's bought some uh, good results. He's bought some entertaining football. He's we've not been anywhere near the relegation conversation. That being said, we've had quite a fair bit of investments and and maybe underachieved. Europe is very very difficult to um, to reach. It isn't it isn't a given. It's not a given for any team in Europe, let, let alone in Italy, let alone in, let alone for Toro. Um, I would say he has. It, it, it's part part of the course. It, it, he he's done it. He's done an okay job. It, I think he's he's not underachieved. He's not overachieved. He's done the almost the bare minimum what you would expect. I think it, it, again, let's say we finish tenth again. It, it's literally what what that position in the table represents. It's we we weren't shit and we weren't that good either. And if we were to finish tenth for the third season in a row, is that a is that because Juric is not capable of taking this team further because he has certain limitations? He can't he can't win different types of matches. I think is one of the things I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, it, it, or is it a lack of? Is it partially a lack of investment? Um, 
you know, there's, there's, there's clear holes in this squad, uh, which will come onto the Calcio Mercato, which weren't addressed. Um, is, is the bigger blame if we don't qualify for Europe this season? Bear in mind, it's not a great Serie A. I don't think the teams who will probably qualify for Europe are that much better than us. Um, but is so is it a failure of Juric in this classic sort of home match against a low block? We've never really um, uh, been able to do very well in those matches under Juric. Or is the blame more on um, not not making that extra investment in, in January? I think I think you've got to maybe apportion blame to to be fifty fifty. I think the the strange thing is that this is Urich was very very vocal, especially in his first season, in his second season about the players that he wanted and and didn't get. But then they they did arrive eventually. So he he wanted um, sort of a he wanted a player like Pabega and he arrived. They wanted Duvan Spatter and he arrived. Um, and obviously that was only in the summer, but. In their first two seasons, he was very, very vocal about players that he wanted. I'm surprised at how relaxed he has been by what I'm sure we're going to have been a very, very disappointing January transfer window. And he's almost just taken that on the chin. And that that screams to me that the actions of a man who knows he isn't going to be here past June. So what's the point in what's the point in arguing about it? Um I think Urich does need to take much of the blame, like you say doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is is the definition of insanity. And and I think Juric uh, might be harsh to say that, he, that he's insane, but it, it, he's very um, true to his principles. He's slightly amended the, the formation reluctantly, I feel, once this season. And I don't think he has any inclination to do that again. Um, there are opportunities in the uh, Salerno Town game to experiment explore use uh, a little bit of uh the, what how the game transformed to to see what what we could do and, and maybe change the way that the game went uh he declined to do that and i think that's the that's the frustration i think it's it's missed opportunities is probably what this this three-year spell will, will be i think it ignore the first year i think that was very much the the peak of, of the Euro era even though we we got less points than we did in the second season, that was where we ju- just comes fresh off those two really really poor seasons. We we had the the stunning football. We 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 always felt that we were in every game, and I think that's such a key thing for for football fans in general, for Torre fans in general. We don't expect to be playing like prime Barcelona. We don't expect to be winning every game five or six nil, but we expect a team who give absolutely everything and have like I think he mentioned in the press conference yesterday how disappointed he was that the the performance against Genoa the nil nil was was not sort of um the reaction of Toro fans wasn't uh, of they were impressed by the result because they 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 gave everything out there it's like we, we didn't have a shot on target again Sonatana nil nil don't have one shot on target in the entire game at home it's if if we are in that first season where we were dominating games and were being unlucky and not scoring, go back to the Sassuolo game at home, one one, we could have been six 0 up before they they equalised in the last minute. That's unlucky. Um, what what we have had unfortunately in the last two years in, in games where we've dropped points and in games we probably shouldn't have, we haven't been unlucky. We haven't deserved to win. Yeah, I mean, I think there's. Um... 
there's a feeling amongst Toro fans. The transfer window is quite complicated. It was disappointing, but I don't think anyone, not many teams across Europe had a good transfer window. And I think most sets of fans are pretty unhappy about the window. I've seen Fiorentina fans. Um, I've seen Lazio fans. I mean, even going to my own League One team, we uh, don't know what we were doing, but there seems to be a real inability to bring players in for a lot of teams or in, um, no desire uh, might be a lot of the time. It's the way budgets are. Um, so Toro, yeah, I mean, Gazzetta dello Sport, funny enough, that um, independent view of, uh, of of life at Toro gave us seven, which was, I think was the joint, I think we were joint second after Roma. Um, in the transfer window, yeah, which is slightly ludicrous, but, you know, I, I kind of liked a bit of the business Bologna did, but I, I, apart from that, not a lot happened. The other thing with with Juric is he was very um, very prickly relationship with Vanyati for the first eighteen months. Um, interestingly, Vanyati and Moretti were kind of in the front row of his press conference yesterday, so there was a sense of solidarity there. There just seems to be a synergy between Cairo, Vanyati, and, and Juric in just terms of. Um, just want it to be plain sailing until May. And the suspicion is the club don't want to invest. Um, maybe knowing Juric is going to leave unless something dramatic changes. Juric has become less prickly because uh, he, I, you know, he's, he's maybe less, not less interested is not the right word, but um, he, he, he has in not such in the, not in the position of power. He was maybe a year ago. Um, if he is unsure about his future, I mean, he's certainly coming across like he's, you know, he kept mentioning the hours everybody's working, how committed they are to getting into Europe. Um, yet, what we saw from the club last week was um, we didn't really see a statement of intent to go into Europe, and nor did we see a statement of intent against Salernitana. I think we can probably come on now to the Calcio Mercato. The problem with doing these pods sometimes is I was, uh, you were away yeah, in Germany last weekend. I mean, I would have been well up for doing a, a very quick pod on Thursday when the window shut because I think we would have got some quite interesting views. And, and sometimes after a match, I think we're, we're off, we do these kind of when a little bit of dust has settled after the matches. Um, I'll give my view on the Calcio Mercato and I come to you. It wasn't a 7 out of 10. Um, it was... Was it, a seven, um, was it a seven out of a hundred? Sorry? Was it a seven out of a hundred? Well, the, I did see a lot of people say, actually, the sales were kind of eight out of ten and the arrivals may have been five out of ten. A lot of people did it in the middle that way. So, yeah, maybe talk about the sales. Are we happy Dembasek is out the door? Yes, we are. Uh, are we happy Nemanja Rodonic is out the door? I am personally. He was only ever doing it against what I'd call Serie B-level teams, and he was more trouble than he was worth. Uh, happy Jan Caramo left. Not really, but if he wasn't playing, and um, yeah, in this cha- change of formation, he, he, he'd lost um, lost minutes, and David Zima as, as well. So yeah, it got players out the door who, who weren't played, and Brandon Soppy as well. Um, and then you come to the arrivals. Well, we went from... Starting the month looking at Angelino, uh, possibly Joss Doig, then some random players from the Benelux. I don't know what Vanyati's trip to 
to Central Europe or Netherlands was because uh, we end up signing Adam Massina and uh, you sent me a vomit emoji uh, to break the news. Uh, we'll come on to him in a minute. We basically swapped, in a sense, Zima for Lovato. Um, I don't think there's we're gonna. Uh, I think there's massive kind of difference between those two players, really. Then we went from we weren't linked with any forwards apart from Rafael Mir at Seville, who didn't seem interested in coming, didn't seem the right profile. And then we go for uh, David Okoreke. Uh, two relegations to his name and not in the Cremonese team in Serie B and a very different type of player. And then we bring in, uh, we realised we really had two Serbian players left in the squad. So the Serbian quota needed uh, beefing up. So we signed Oros Kabic. Uh, let's be honest, no one knows a lot about him. And I don't even think Red Star Belgrade fans know a lot about him because he barely played for them in two years. So slightly strange one. Um yeah, what are your? I know you're pretty underwhelmed as well. But your thoughts on those four signings? Yeah, well, first things first. I'll take the credit for uh, calling that we would make four signings and and getting it spot on last week. Um, but you're a, you're a, well. We'll come on to Salernitana. You were spot on again. Yeah, there. exactly. I might start giving out lottery numbers, but um, yeah, I think. It, I think the frustrating thing is it is we've effectively made the squad the same. Uh, I don't think there's any improvement in any... It's almost like... And I think I think you actually alluded to the fact anyway that he's quite happy with the starting level and he just needed numbers in. If you were going to get rid of players that they needed numbers in, if you look at the number of Primavera players who were, who were having to... who were sort of formed the bench uh, against Cagliari, it was basically just getting bodies through the door. Um, Messino... I, I'll feel, I feel bad. I I will. I'll own up for that because I did. I I um, slightly overreacted a little bit uh, in jest on, on a, tra- a very long train journey to Glasgow on um, uh, on Wednesday. I think yeah, when the when the news broke, it just it was just that it come out of nowhere. And he is a, a, a he is a solid Serie A left back. He shouldn't be starting for any any sort of team in the top half, but he would do a job. I think that was the disappointing thing, that he was brought in to be a backup for um, Lazzaro and uh, not a, not sort of somebody to challenge for his first first team place, which he has the advantage of being a left footer. And as we'll go on to uh, against Santana, came on uh, to replace uh, Rodriguez as a left centre-back and and did a good job. So I'll, I'll sort of take a, take a bit of humble pie on that one and, and sort of apologise for some of my somewhat tongue-in-cheek uh, jokes about, about Messina. Um, agree with you about Lovato and uh, and Zima. I think that was a point we made last week. It's effectively, again, same for same. Um, Akareke, this is the, like I said, I think of, of the signings, Akareke is probably potentially more, the most exciting. And it maybe says a lot about where Toro are that we're saying the most exciting player is, is one who scored two goals in 16 games in Serie B. Um, but he offers pace. He has been a threat against Toro before for Venezia um, and Cremonese, and he's the sort of player that I, I just cannot believe <laughs> he didn't come on the pitch again. Uh, didn't get a minute at all against against Lenitano when you're when you're facing a team who are defending. You almost need a little bit of something different, and a bit of pace could have provided an opportunity. Might not have been for him, but for a teammate. 
Um, and yeah, this is, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on, on Jolos Kovic. And I mean, the fact that he's only just arrived in the city now, um, I, I wasn't suggesting that I wasn't 100% sure that he existed, but yeah, I was a bit surprised that it wasn't that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What sort of deal have we done to buy a player? I assume that we just, allowed Red Star to do the medical for him or or for us or, or whether he's only doing the medical now obviously it's a loan with an option to buy this is the the cheapest of cheap options it's very Cairo it's it's a signing for propaganda's sake I, I don't know whether there's translation um of um Juric when his de- description the the cabbage signing but he, he didn't seem massively complimentary about cabbage I will. I'll be very, very surprised if he makes, if he appears for for more than half an hour throughout the rest of the season. Thirteen minutes. He'll play thirteen minutes. I, I I'll, I'll uh, go. I'll go. Maybe go a little bit higher. I'll go maybe twenty three. Well, we are. You are forgetting the signing of Sen and Mullen from Dundalk to join the Primavera. Yeah, well, um, that I mean, to be honest, first, I'm, Irish, I'm, first Irish player at Toro, and and yeah, as a, as a man who's. Um, very fond of Ireland. Um, I'd be more than more than happy to see uh, an Irishman uh, pull on the the famous Granada jersey. It probably says a lot that he might be the the signing I'm second most excited about. Um, and yeah, that's it. It's probably maybe the 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 sporting director for the Primavera is showing a little bit more uh, ambition, a little bit more sort of creativity than our own sporting director, who's actually gone. It, we've signed players from from Paris Saint Germain before for the Primavera. We signed players um, from Ireland. We've signed players from uh, Cyprus. We, we're showing a little bit more um, sort of imagination for our youth team than for our first team, and, and that's somewhat disappointing. Yeah, I mean Vanyati signings here are are the you know the used and the um, it's definitely secondhand merch, isn't it? I mean Adam Messina played about an hour through Danese all season. He's been injured. I will come on to Sloan as I thought he looked very good at left centre back. He actually looked like a more physical, pacey Ricardo Rodriguez, and that very proactive. Um, I'm not sure that's the role he was bought. He should have been bought in to play, but that might be the role he ends up playing. Um, it might, might be the role he has to play now, given our uh, injury crisis. He and he he can power one from distance as well. Um, he did have those inevitably as an Udinese player. There's a couple of years at Watford as well. Lovato, I think, will just be a body, um, uh, especially with our with kind of injury crisis. Okoreki, again, it just stinks of a signing that you know that that somebody else's sporting director as as I think Okoreki started his career in Italy and then went to Belgium. But um, you know, we're buying we're we're not casting our net very wide for these players, and then you know it feels like oh now the signing of Cabbage is very random. Um, I read some things from Serbian journalists about him, and he's, he, I don't think he's improved very, and it's very much in the two years he was at he was at Red Star. So, and, and that is I, that is a yeah. bit. Of, sorry to get in there, but yeah, that's maybe a bit of a worry. A player who isn't good enough for the the Red Star Belgrade team is he going to come in and, and challenge for a place in in a, in a Toro squad? I'm not so as a wide that. player in a, in a team not playing wide players. I mean, yeah. the, the ultimately, you say. Uh, this transfer window has left as much the same. I would just say I think this is the most blue collar team in Serie A. It is, it is a lot of 
honest players who give quite a lot, uh, not a lot of creativity. Um, the few Mavericks we had have gone out the door. It's entirely reliant on Duvan Zapata staying fit. If Duvan Zapata does not stay fit, the first thing Juric would want to do is go back to Sanabria up front with uh, some Trey Quartistas off him, and we don't have those players. So I worry a lot about that. And the other worry I have, and we'll come on to Slenitana shortly, is just the left-sided thing is a massive issue because... Um, that we were very easy to play against, just not having that out ball. And oh, we'll say we'll save that discussion for for Salernitana shortly. Um, what we'll do is we'll do a, a, a we'll do the Toropedia, um, and then we'll talk a bit about Salernitana and then the trip to Sassuolo. So, are you ready, Rob? I am. Okay, so taking you back, you've been a bit on a roll recently with your predictions. So. I'm um, going a bit tricky. No, for no, 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 I've been good at the predictions. I've been terrible on Tarapedia still. Okay. 1960 <laughs> to 61. Piombino. Three appearances, no goals. 64 to 65. I'm not sure what happened in the three years in between on, on the Wikipedia there. Um, probably should investigate that. Genoa. Uh, no appearances, no goals. 1965 to 1966. Ternana. 26 appearances, six goals. 1966-67, Potenza, 35 appearances, 3 goals. 1967-75, Torino, 212 appearances, 15 goals. 1975-1977, Perugia, 37 appearances, 2 goals. How many appearances for Perugia, sorry? 37 and 2. And it was fifteen appearance, two hundred twelve, fifteen for for Torre. Yeah. So, how you feeling? I've got absolutely no idea, unfortunately. Is it because? Yeah, yeah, this is a. I'll talk about a bit about this character because there's quite a few, quite a few layers to him. Um. <laughs> Very unfortunate to have an eight-year spell at Toro and miss um, and miss winning the title. But win win two Coppa Italias and then go to Perugia at the time. Uh, Perugia with the goal from Renato Curie beat Juventus. Um, I believe that's when Torino drew Chisane, wasn't it? To, to ah. help hand Torino the title. Uh, so he was in Perugia these years. Whether he was on the pitch, I'd have to check. Um, so. Well, he was at the club who had a hand in Torino winning the Scudetto anyway. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, the other clue I'll give you is probably the Torino player who has hated Juventus the most. Ooh. It's quite famous even in his post-career of, uh, yeah. It comes, it comes out in a rash when the word Juventus is mentioned, even more than me. So, all right, I'll let you think about it. Um, we'll talk about Salernitana and then the trip to Sassuolo, which will inevitably be in the fog. Um, we will play in a goal uh, for one of Torino's last trips to Sassuolo in the fog, where I don't think anyone is ever truly sure that Carol Linetti did score a goal for Torino, but apparently he did emerge from the mist. And that um, quite um, infamous 3 all draw where we managed to 
blow away 3-1 lead and let uh, Kyrgyz score from about 50 yards out. But anyway, we'll be back shortly as a stumped Robert Gilman tries to uh, resolve this week's Toropedia. Space for Vojvodar once again. The cross is good. Comes all the way through. It must be turned home. And it is. Torino have the lead. A cross that was not dealt with by the Sassuolo defence. Carol Linetti it was who had continued his run from midfield. So looking at Rob's face, I'm not sure if he has an answer or not. Uh, first ask, do you have an answer? Any, do you have an answer, Rob? I do not, no. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give a few more a few more clues then. Um, is that so you're effectively declaring? I'm declaring, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this player... One one of two Coppa Italia's at Torino, then was part of the Perugia team when Torino drew with Cesena uh, to win the Scudetto. Juventus went to Perugia and lost. Um, I think a draw would have uh, draw for both teams still would have been title for Torino. But the, Renato Curie scored the goal. A year later, he died uh, from a heart attack on the pitch uh, in in the Perugia match the following season. Um, and this was around a time as well that Giorgio Farina, the legendary Torino player, passed away. So pretty awful, awful synergy there. Uh, then this person, um, one of his most famous incidents as a Toro player was in the 1971-72 season, a uh, way match at Sampdoria. Uh, Torino were 2-1 down. He heads the ball um, uh, on the six-yard box. Um he always claims it crossed the line. The referee originally gave the goal. Um, it was cleared off the line by certain Marcello Lippi, a young Marcello Lippi starting. Uh, yeah, I think it was the moment that uh, his rivalry with Toro started. I watched the footage back on it. It is quite hard in the grainy black and white days, and there's a lot of bodies on the line. Um, it looked like it went past the line. The referee gave the goal, and. Um, and then about 30 seconds later, a minute later, uh, under the pressure of the Sampdoria players, um, this allows the goal. It's absolutely scandalous if you watch it. And um, the reason it's significant is Torino uh, would have won, uh, won the Scudetto at that point that season. Um, so this guy has always had a beef with Marcello Lippi, um, refused to watch Lippi, um, uh, cheered against it- uh, Lippi's uh, Italy team. Uh, he became a not very successful coach um, and then quite a well-known pundit uh, with some quite, yeah, quite kind of uh, interesting views sometimes. Um, and then a quite a good line about the uh, the referee. The referee in that match was called Barbaresco, which is a quite famous uh, red wine from the, from um certain region near, to, near Turin. But yeah, so he said, Barbaresco, the referee, a great wine. A ter- Barbaresco, a great wine, terrible referee. And uh, he also described the draw in football as um, draw versus defeat. is um, It's better to have two people injured than one person dead. Uh, so obviously defeat, death. and uh, uh, So yeah, he kind of had these, these quite famous lines. Anyway, his name is Aldo Agropi. And uh, that was this week's Toropedia, Rob. Uh, yeah, 
uh, just I'm showing my my ignorance in in pre sort of. 1976 tarot history. It's a name I recognise. It's a name I recognise. So probably, um, and I, I, a story which I was not aware of actually. So thanks for sharing that. It's about the uh, the guard against Sampdoria. But yeah, yeah, what no, it's, it's a name I recognise, but wouldn't have wouldn't have picked it out of um, out of the out of the blue there for the, for those times and and the sort of and the goals. Yeah, the re- and the reason he doesn't like Lippi so much is like he's, a graphic claims he's got like evidence that the ball crossed the line he's got these photos and every time he met Lippy afterwards Lippy would always uh, always say it never crossed the line and I, I think that just wound him up um and the other thing if you find footage of that match uh the Marassi is unrecognizable um it's like a non-league stadium and absolutely terrible pitch so yeah do check out 1971-72 Sampdoria 2 Torino 1 um and Farini gets sent off for um having a go at the referee it's all quite it's i'd say entertaining but it's uh also quite typical taro and uh denied as a skeleton so not actually that entertaining anyway rob salernitana talking about, uh, you talking like, about things talking about things that aren't very entertaining it was not entertaining that's for sure uh we both called it in a way i was a bit more pessimistic than you you for the third week in a row got the exact score right um I think if Salernitana showed 5% more ambition, they might have won the game. Um, but I would describe it as Inzaghi came with the chapter one from the Covacciano coaching manual, how to get a nil-nil draw. And Juric, uh, <laughs> Juric didn't have any of the chapters <laughs> chapters in his book. Um, it was a shame. It was a big crowd. I mean, there were a lot of fans seemed to think the kickoff was 12 o'clock because it seemed to really, or, or whatever the time was, initially, but about half an hour in, it, the stadium was really full. Um, so I don't know if a lot of people were just late. Um, but yeah, when it's a big big crowd, no joy seems to be a, a typical theme with Toro. And then before I hand it over to you, uh, six, five matches I want you to pick out from this season at home. Cagliari, nil-nil. I don't think we barely had a shot. Genoa, one-nil. Barely had a shot. Radonjic uh, scores a wonder goal. Verona, nil-nil. Barely had a shot. Empoli, 1-0. Got an early goal um, and then barely had a shot. And then Salernitana, nil-nil. Barely had a shot. So five of, uh, exclude Genoa, but certainly four there of the worst teams in the league have come to Turin and found it very easy to get a point. Um, and that is where, that's where Europe won't happen. But uh, well, you say that, but incredibly, our home form's better than our way f- than our home form was last season. The, the, we were actually doing better at home. Even some of those games last season against similar sides, we were actually losing those those type of games. Um, it's our drop off in our away form, which is probably why uh, Europe won't happen, and, and maybe why the Sassuolo game it, it potentially potentially key for that. See whether the the Cagliari game was a one off or whether we can sort of continue a bit of running in that improved away form. Um, yeah, I think it, I I tweeted um, to say that obviously we ended the well we we had a spell in the game after Rodriguez um, went off injured where we had a, a makeshift centre uh, centre midfielder playing right centre back. Uh, we had a makeshift left back playing. Uh, left centre back, and uh, again, I feel bad for this as well. But uh, given his performance, uh, performance in the in the hour that managed against uh, Sonatana, a makeshift footballer in um, 
in service has enough to play it as as a central centre back. Has there been a worse um, a, a performance by a Toro player all season? Um, has there been a worse performance by a Toro player all season? I would suggest some of the performances in the derby were probably worse, just in terms of application. Uh, I think it's one on a, on, a, on a technical level. Uh, on a technical level, of... I, he was he was nervous, um, and it came across. Um, there was a misplaced ball after about seven minutes, wasn't there? Then there was a booking, uh, which I think conditioned his performance. Uh, I was in two minds whether Europe should have hauled him off at half time, but I think it may have destroyed it. May long short term for the game may have been good. Long term for the player, especially uh, as we're missing defenders the next few weeks and months, may not have been the wisest thing, and maybe it did well to persist with him. Um, but yeah, his performance did worry me, and I think it's harder for him to come in without either Bonjourno or Schurz next to him to, to manage him through the game. Adrian Tamezi, who I like, is not a right-sided centre-back, and week after week he seems to be regressing in that position. And I think Adam Messina actually was very good when he came on. Um, I've got to say thing about Ricardo Rodriguez. He's quite slow, we know that. Have you ever seen anyone so speedy at telling the uh telling the <laughs> medical staff he's injured uh, i've swear it's happened about four times since he's been at toro he literally does that kind of a substitution movement as he's falling <laughs> down i mean he obviously knows his body very well but is incredibly fast at uh declaring he's injured well, given uh, that it's he, should, he should have a medical career but uh, i believe football. every injury that he's had for toro has been hamstring related but he's always plays the next week as well but, like, but i don't I, think I don't know how you, I don't know, much like myself, I don't move quick enough to be able to um, injure any of my hamstrings. I don't know how he does it. Um, yeah, uh, again. Uh, it's um, a, correl- a correlation with the early kickoff with him as well. I don't know, we might have to go back in the stats. Does he often pick these up in the early kickoff? I don't I don't know. But and, and you, do, you get the impression that Rodriguez is quite an old man, but I think he's only 31. He's only a year older than Adam Messina, yeah. So. Yeah, so um, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, speed's not his um, uh, his strength. I'm not sure if we did we did we mention last week the the excellent bit of commentary from Chris Perry from, I don't uh, from the Calgary game. Yeah, just to, just to throw that back in there. I think might might paraphrase, but it was. Um, he when Rodriguez got his yellow card for pulling back uh, uh, Andrea Patania, uh, Chris Perry on commentary, excellent defender. Chris Perry on commentary said, um, uh, you, you, "You've got to, you've got to worry when uh, Andrea Patania sprinting past you, or is beating you for pace or something like that." And um, yeah, I think that's a, a fair comment. Which uh, some Tari fans who watch Rodriguez for a number of years could uh, could identify with. That being said, yeah. You, don't need pace if you're in the right position, and that's that's something Rodriguez usually is in. Yeah, I think, but I think you're right. I think the problem against Salernitana was our attack, but the, the whole situation with defence kind of compromised the game in a few ways. One, uh, without Bongiorno, we weren't able to create the overload sometimes, which would have helped uh, us have numerical supremacy in the in the final third. Um, then there was a merry-go-round of substitutions, and I think Juric... I don't know, at one point, and it might have just been the, tele- the TV cameras, when Rodrigo's going off, had Illich warming up, yeah. and it looked, finally we'll have a change in formation. And then for whatever reason, 
Um, uh, you know, Messina's, Messina was topless, almost coming onto the pitch. So he was like throwing on his shirt. And I don't know if you just, I mean, that's the thing going back to the beginning of this podcast is if this is his final four months, why not have a bit of fun? I, you know, be a bit more. Because he, doesn't want, few, because he doesn't want to stay. He doesn't want to qualify for Europe. Well, it's risk adverse, but you know, maybe we're not going to qualify for Europe if you're bringing on Ivan Illich and confusing the midfield even but, more. But uh, to, I think, yeah, uh, I think I, think, I, I would have stationed Illich uh, ahead of Lazaro on that left side and just given him the balls to ping in. Um, but we'll come on to that. But yeah, the defensive kind of merry-go-round. I think you mentioned Okareke. I don't think Okareke came on because we just had to make so many defensive substitutions because how Tony Sanabria stayed on the pitch. <laughs> Uh, for the second week running, invisible, you know, it's just. Uh, I um, I mean, he might be friends with Wapi Goldberg soon. He's <laughs> just, he's uh, just, uh, yeah. It's, it's funny to say that when you, because uh, I also, yeah, saw Illich, um It looked like Illich was coming on. My first thought wasn't this is going to be a change of formation. I thought Illich was going to go and play as a left centre back, which potentially is not the worst idea because. He's not. He's not a short man. He's got a very nice left foot and the time and space to be able to launch balls into the area. So I, I felt that would have been the decision. It was. He it, it wasn't going to change the formation because why would Juric do that? It's been three years and he hasn't done that yet. Well, yeah, really, I, I had visions of Carol Linetti going going into the back. I hadn't. I mean, it was all very quick, so it was hard to get your head around. And then there was this. Well. I was quite confused, and this was again because the way it was not edited, but just the way it evolved was a second set of substitutions. Uh, he bought it looked like he'd bought on Gigi for Vlasic, uh, and, and uh, I could not for life me work out what was going on there. And then it was, what well, I forget the order of the substitute. It was Pellegrini came on for Vlasic, and who did Gigi come on for? Tomaso. Uh, amazing that's right but yeah the way that was kind of set up so it, because even in in, because even in injury crisis Juric can't help but just needlessly substituting a, a right centre back for another right centre back um, yeah well Tamezi was injured because he's because uh, he is um, he's a doubt with Rodriguez he has the same oh, okay. as Rodriguez but yeah um, but yeah you're right it's just the whole and then Lovato, he, uh, then he makes a crazy sub in that we're defending a corner and he takes off our tallest player and sticks on the guy to make his debut. Um, that's That was not from the Covachano coaching school. That sort of that was the most maverick thing I've ever seen Juric do. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're crying out for Okoreki. We, we haven't seen him play in a Toro ever? Do you think that's ever happened before? Where all three, especially now that obviously we're only only in the last couple of years we had five five substitutes, all three starting defenders who started the game didn't finish the game. I I would bet it's happened before in the Juric at Toro out of choice. He just he loves to do it. Um, all, th- all three though. Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, but by doing that, we just not that we have a lot of attacking options these days, but. The, the the frustrating thing was me the amount of times that there was we'd look to the left hand side and there was like thirty yards of empty space where Lazaro was never going to move into, um, and that allowed them to find it easy to defend against Bellanova on the other side. And then we had a lot of corners and didn't do 
in these sort of games, you might rely on a free kick, you might rely on a corner. And once you get one goal in these sort of games, the game becomes a lot easier. And our corners are just dire. I think the, the only one that was half decent was when Illich was on and he went for a short corner and Pellegri probably should have caught, scored from the grass. Um, talking about your mate, Bellotti, I think Pete Bellotti would have would have put that away pretty easily, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Um, and, and, then, and then, yeah, Vlasic and... Uh, Personally, if you know, Vlasic did not have a lot of space to work in. Again, the Copacana coaching manual, they 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 played all our threats well because then we you know, we we are very limited when teams close the spaces. And uh the other thing I would say is I mean, how many times Duvan Zapata looks so he seems to spend um a lot of the game just looking into a deep dark distant <laughs> space and by a guy making his fourth appearance in Serie A, by the way. It's absolutely marked out the game. So. Oh, do, do you think it might have been because Nurich was playing him left wing? Well, that, yeah, I mean, that, there was that as well. Um, but he's playing him left wing because our DS was, un, you know, for three seasons, been unable to buy, unable to buy a, a left sided player. But, that, so but, that, but wouldn't, I just don't understand the logic again when you've got. When you've got a limited number of strikers to bring on, uh, or limited players to bring on, and you're going to bring somebody to play left on the left hand side, which means putting Pellegri in the middle and almost Snabry almost on the right to do a front three when you're taking off Flasic, wouldn't having a correct case pace be a better option than having your main threat of goals in the centre? Like, just uh, bear in mind how good that. I know that Zapata struggled to, to put back-to-back performances together all season. Given how good he was in Cagliari, like uh, you want Zapata in between the sort of in in between the goalposts, taking up all the chances. Um, and yeah, uh, I just maybe that's Pellegrini's maybe unlucky in getting his goal to slide in Cagliari, but at some point he's just too he, he, you can't play him and Zapata it's got to be one or the other they're too similar in terms of stature just try for something a little bit different if you're struggling to break down the defence yeah I mean I just I do I think one of the issues we're going to have between now and the end season is just looking at that bench and and realising there is there is very few game changes on there it might be Okareki's not fully fit it might be that you're just not seen and you know he's not had time to to take a look at him but um yeah if yeah, i agree it was just all very um it was all very predictable and um i didn't really see us you know i didn't really see us scoring a late you know I, I didn't for the last 10 minutes we put them under enough pressure really but at the same time although it's a not a great result i don't think it's I think we've we've seen enough of this Toro to know that you know th- those sort of games we always struggle in, um, and yeah, we, we do need to find a way of winning them if we to get into Europe. But at least we didn't lose it. Um, if takes us on to Sassuolo, Rob, do you think we'll be able to see the match? <laughs> I mean, why do they keep <laughs> doing this? Why do, keep, why do they keep making these evening kickoffs in the winter? I mean, I got Sassuolo. Got, got to play games in the winter, but you know, just ridiculous. I, I yeah. To to be honest, given um, 
given Taro's uh, recent form of nil nil is away from home and Sassuolo's uh, recent form in general, it might be doing everybody a favour if nobody gets to see this game. That's true. I mean, I saw at the end of their game at Bologna and they completely collapsed. Um, and yeah, so yeah, usual form guide. Uh, I think in very quick, right, 10 or 11 Serie A visits there, we've won twice, lost once and drawn a hell of a lot of games. Um, not sure a draw, draw might suit Sassuolo a little bit more, but they're hovering quite close to the relegation zone. Um how yeah, are you is this gonna be like typical Tor in, in the sense that we'll 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 go and put together a convincing away performance? I ju- um, I just I didn't realise how bad their form was. I know you said that you, you you thought they might potentially get drawn into a relegation battle. Um they've lost seven of the last nine games. Uh the one win they've had in those in the league, the one win they had was against Fiorentina. Um and Fiorentina missed a penalty in that game. Uh, and then they also drew 2-2 at Udinese, uh, where they scored two penalties themselves with 3-2-0 down against 10 men. So this is a team who easily could not have won a game for nine. Um, we know what that means. Um, so, yeah, I've got a bit of a horrible feeling that... <sighs> so I say that, but I'm on, a, I'm on a good streak of predicting results. So do I... <laughs> Do I really want to predict a Atari defeat and it come true again? Um, I, I've just got a bad feeling that we aren't going to win. Um, I think that's what I need a victory. I think maybe a little bit of the circus built up around the whole the whole Europe thing could be a bit of a distraction. I do you get the feeling that players are playing for Urich. Do you think the players like Urich? I, I think there's a sense with some coaches that they can get stale. And certain coaches can probably get annoying after a few seasons. And I don't get that sense. I think Juric has certainly improved a lot of the players there. He's quite loyal to the players. Yeah. I think what happened on Monday, I think he does want to qualify for Europe. Uh, I, I, and he may qualify for Europe and still leave. I, I I could see him at Lazio or with the Croatian national team next season or something like that. I don't think his body of work at Torino is that great that he's going to get a much better job. But I think the Sarri thing at Lazio may end and that they might look for it in a different direction. Although then he comes up a, a president like Lotito, which, you know, if he struggled with Cairo, um, good luck to him there. Um, but I think the players are still playing for him. I just think their their limitations. My hope for Sassuolo is I don't think they're very good defensively. I don't think they're going to find it as easy to, to play that low block. I don't think it's in their nature. I don't think Dionysi's that sort of coach. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, I think, I, I don't know if Baradi, at the moment he's down as being injured, but I'm, I'm not sure I believe that. Um, they're quite open. Um, and I think they'll play into Torino's hands. If my sensations say we'll smash them on Saturday, I have a feeling. Um, what worries me about Toro is the defence, actually, um, if we were going there of our usual defence. But I think I do think we'll win. Um, I think it could be 3 or 4-1 with our full defence. I think it might be a bit like the Cagliari game. I think we'll win 2-1.
So, yeah, man, on a terrible, terrible run of form of predictions, but I can't, I can't keep going against Toro. It's just, uh... Uh, maybe, maybe that's how I, how I reverse the look. I, I'm, I've just, I've just got a horrible sneaking feeling that this is a game that Toro lose that against a team in such bad form. All logic goes out the window, and somehow they manage to get a victory. My biggest concern for for Toro is if we concede the first goal. Like mentally, we just fall apart, and and we could dap like we did against Cagliari, like we get, uh, sorry, like we did against Bologna, like we did against Fiorentina. We can start start so well, but if we don't score and capitalize on that, we we will we will just choke if we if we go behind. And um, yeah, so I'm going two one Sassuolo. Wow, so two two ones, two two ones. Yeah, I might just. The other thing with Sassuolo, if, if their players are starting to turn against Dionysi, it's probably he's probably got one more bad result and he's getting the sack. So, yeah, they're on a bad run of form. Yeah, Toro, if, if they did play a low block and frustrate us, they may have some success that way. Um, but if yeah, if their if their players are thinking there, we don't we don't believe in this coach much longer. They're probably one defeat away from him getting the sack. Um, so in that sense, I think Toro got to go there, be proactive, um, play on their uh, lack of confidence. Um, bit like we did once the kind of, uh, you know, once the calorie game settled into a football match. Um, and just, yeah, hopefully we, if we do get that space, um, they're really not very good defensively. And, you know, Zapata tends to have a good game after he's had a quiet game. So, um, we're just, yeah, we've got a little bit of time. So, what would be your um, starting 11? Um, assuming, I think Rodriguez, uh, it looks like he'll be fit. Um, I'm not sure about Tameze. So, yeah, given given that, I'd go obviously Vanya in goal, Gigi right centre back, Lovato. As the centre, uh, as the middle centre back, um, Rodriguez left centre back, wing backs of Bellanova and Lazaro. I think that picks itself at the moment. Um, Do not have Mazina. We not have Mazina in that role. No, no, no. I don't think he. I, I don't think he automatically goes above Lazaro in the pecking order for for playing in a different role. Um, I think he's an option. I think that having a, an actual effort to there, but again. Yeah, I don't think he's been bought in to challenge Lazaro for that role. He's been he's been bought in just as an option. I, I, if anything, you probably see Lazaro. I, I could even see uh, Voivoda going in at left wing back rather than Lazaro if if they fancy the change. But I would go Lazaro every day of the week. Um, and then in the middle, I do think Illich and Richie need another go as well as Lunetti has played um, at some point. Uh, especially, like say, against a team lacking in confidence, they might be a little bit more um, defense, defensive-minded. Do you need the two more creative players in there? Um, so, yeah, maybe I'd go for Richie and Illich. Um, and then I would go Vlasic, Okereke, Zapata. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I personally, I would go... Um, I think your defense is, is good. I, I might feel a bit safer with Lovato over Sazanov. I, I, if Adam Messina starts, I think he scores. I'm going to be that confident. I think the team will be so in shock to have a player on the left side of a left side. You still got that money in your, uh, in your Lambrex account, mate. <laughs> I, I, 
I'll put it. I don't think Juric will play him. I think you're right. Oh, he might end up playing left centre back if Rodriguez isn't fit, or he might be worried that he needs to um, keep him on the bench as cover for Rodriguez. Um, I think you. I think I don't think Lazaro will start. I think it. I think Juric may play the Voivoda card. Um, it will be interesting in midfield. He loves Linetti. Linetti's sort of maybe his sort of game. Um, does he? Does he drop Vlasic to play Illich and Richie? Does he play drops? I was Snabry has to come out for me. Um, so does Vlasic play off Zapata? Can't see Okareki going from no minutes to night. I might do it as well, but um, I just don't see Juric doing that. So I think there are yeah there are a few kind of interesting questions interesting questions for him. Um, and well, the other thing is, does does Tamez, if he's fit, come into midfield as well? He's barely played there all season, so um, yeah, we'll, we we will see. But I, I'm I'm feeling more confident than you. Maybe you should be worried though, given my incredible run of uh, fortunate predictions. Well, Toro can't win three games in a row. There's no way you'll get four <laughs> four predictions in a row spot on. So I've. There's absolutely no way you hit it first, clip it up, Torino are not losing two one in Sassuolo. Uh, and if 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 they do, we're gonna have to, have to finish this podcast because you just you know the future. So you know, this is there's just no point, you know. Um yeah. So it'll be the talking Toro. End of talking Toro. It'll be it'll it'll be two one and the absolutely stunning left footed shot from Adam Messina. Uh, player who yeah got vomit emojis when he signed last week and now he's now he's our hope for you. I actually I actually I, I think I actually sent the uh, Roy Hudson um, the Roy Hudson video. Oh, I have to go back and look at that. So. <laughs> it's uh, more style. Uh, I'm not that I mean. Think, I'm not that mean. I think you might have sent both. That's how mean <laughs> you are. Roy Hudson video and uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it now. Um, so yeah. Uh, this is a great end uh, to the podcast for all listeners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Looking through pretty much that. It's important. Did um did you see um see Bellotti's debut for Fiorentina? I did not know. I was, I was in, in Germany getting food poisoning. Uh, it was uh yeah, hit the bar. Um, you didn't send me the Roy Hodgson <laughs> video. It might have been one of your friends. No, you, uh, it wasn't a vomit emoji. It was a tears emoji. I oh, okay. Stay told you. I'm not. I'm not that mean. I'm a nice man. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I do a thing. We get to see Josh Doy go play for Sassuolo. So there you um, go. He was he was not very good in the twenty minutes I saw when Sassuolo capitulated um, at Bologna. But we'll see. Probably it'll probably be inevitable. He scores. Um, all right, Rob. Talking Toro seventy. It's done. Um, from Aldo Agropi to um, Adam Messina. Yeah. Adam Messina. Um, Forza Toro. Forza Toro.